Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. This is Melissa Freidenberg in the Gross Point office, and today we are joined by Jasmine Rippey and Amina Sheikh, the ladies-in-law, which is a boutique law firm in downtown Detroit. They specialize in legacy planning, the process of arranging for preservation, management, and distribution of assets in the event of an individual's incapacitation or death. Ladies-in-law make quality legacy planning accessible. And in fact, they've been recognized as leading attorneys by Marquis, Who's Who in America, and National Trial Lawyers Top 40 Under 40 in Michigan. So ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I met Amina downtown. She was speaking on a panel of female business owners And I was really impressed both just with you in general, but also with the story behind how you and Jasmine decided to create Ladies in Law and really your mission. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about how this concept came about. Absolutely. Um, Thank you again, Melissa, for having us. It was amazing meeting you as well. Jasmine and I, we actually straight out of law school, we're both at a very large corporate law firm in downtown Detroit. It's a wonderful firm. I was focusing on corporate litigation. Jasmine was in the banking group and then doing M&A business corporate work. It was great. However, we just didn't quite fit in. She and I both have this creative side to ourselves and the type of culture we want to work in and surround ourselves with and create for others just wasn't the same at that large corporate firm. So we became very fast friends. Uh, We did a pro bono project together, had a great time doing it. And I left and went to California, got licensed out there. And Jasmine then left and started her own thing here in Detroit. And she always laughs at this, but the truth is I came back because of her, (laughs) because we were such good friends and we stayed friends. And we both had that similar mindset of what we wanted to create with a law firm and to do differently. So we teamed up, came back to Detroit and Jasmine actually came up with the name ladies in law, which really it is us. And not just because we're women, but because it's something different in the law. And it's easy to remember. It's easy to remember too. So that's how we teamed up and we've gone from there and just continued to build our brand and build our culture and how we see our law firm, Ladies in Law, moving forward. I love that. And it's really, it really resonated with me because Pearl Planning, the founder, Melissa Joy, her and I both, we worked together in some capacity in our 20s. And then we both went to separate firms, both large financial firms that were primarily male. And like you said, it just didn't fit our culture or the, where, the environment we wanted to work in. We did great work. We learned a lot. We're grateful for our, our experience, but really wanting to brand in a different way. I really am drawn to your brand and I love the idea that you're trying to make law more approachable and accessible to people as opposed to this idea of what you think of when you think of corporate law. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I know we were talking about what 
what to cover today. I'm very interested in hearing about domestic asset protection trusts. And specifically for our listeners, we're going to be talking about the laws that applies in Michigan. So we do sometimes have listeners outside of Michigan. So just be sure to consult your own state law surrounding this topic. But if you guys could really just start out with telling our listeners, what is a domestic asset protection trust? Sure. This is Jasmine. So a domestic asset protection trust is a great vehicle for estate planning or legacy planning, as we like to refer to it. It really offers great protection from future creditors. So typically under creditor debtor law, a creditor has access to any of your assets that you can access and have control over yourselves. So with a domestic asset protection, what it does, it allows you to set up this trust where you fund it with your assets. You'll be the grantor, the funder, but you can also be the beneficiary and receive income and receive principal. Yet the assets that you receive from this domestic asset protection trust are out of the reach of creditors. So it okay. really, the whole point of it is for creditor protection. And this is something fairly new. And they uh, started in Michigan in 2017. So prior to this, there was no type of creditor protection in this way when it comes to trust. So it's, it's something that is really, really beneficial for people who have their own businesses subject to creditor liabilities down the line. It's a really great tool to preserve your assets, keep them in your family and out of the reach of creditors. Okay. And, you know, I do love, I know I mentioned that you guys do various areas of estate planning, but I love that you call it legacy planning instead. I think that does make it more approachable because when you hear the term estate, you think of like, yeah. <laughs> so we're only for wealthy. And we're like, no, you know, if you have any type of assets, you can benefit from legacy planning. You don't have to be super wealthy. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions, like who needs this? Well, a lot of people, you don't have to have a family fortune passed down through generations to need legacy planning. I love that about making it approachable, but also we want our listeners to think like, do I need this? So if you would just maybe elaborate a little bit, you mentioned business owners, maybe like physicians, people that are maybe exposed to potential creditors. Absolutely. So, and like you were saying with estate planning, legacy planning, your legacy plan is what you need and what assets you have and what your life is like and what family members you have and what they need too, if you're not around. And the great thing with a domestic asset protection trust is it really does for those type of people that are in professions that have a lot of exposures to creditors, such as lawyers, yeah. uh, physicians, <laughs> like you said, I'm even thinking people that own boats or a boating business, pilots, celebrities, athletes, anybody of that nature, anybody that just feels like, oh, gosh, I'm nervous that creditors could come after me for whatever reason. Those are the type of clients that these trusts are appropriate for, and they should have them as part of their legacy plan. It's important, though, for any client, any person to recognize that with a domestic asset protection trust, it is irrevocable. So once it is created, it can't just be changed like a revocable trust, which is a totally different type of trust. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Reach out to the ladies in law. <laughs> we can help you with that. <laughs> but 
irrevocable. You, if you are the type of person that feels like, gosh, and you talk to an attorney doing legacy planning, I do need this. And it's specialized in that way. You have to be willing to let go of some control over your assets. Now we're going to talk about where you do retain some control and power. So I don't want to scare the listeners on that, but you do have to be willing to let go of some of the control you have with certain assets, if not all that you may want to put in there. So yeah, that's a give and take, you know, you're receiving the benefit of the creditor protection, but on the other side, you do have to relinquish some form of control, not complete control. You cannot be the trustee. So that's a form of, you know, giving up control. So There are some things that you can't change within this of this type of trust, but what are some of the requirements of a Michigan domestic (laughs) asset protection trust that our listeners should be aware of? Okay, so there are four basic requirements in order for a trust to be considered a bona fide Michigan domestic asset protection trust, and I'll just go over them. So first, the trust has to be governed by Michigan law. So obviously, you know, as we stated that, These domestic asset protections trusts came about in Michigan in 2017. Some other states have them, some states do not. But in order to receive the protections that we're talking about under Michigan law, the trust agreement has to specifically state that it's governed by Michigan law. The next requirement is that the trustee, so the trustee is a person who manages the assets of the trust. The trustee cannot be the original grantor. So I know we spoke about having to give up some control in in exchange for receiving the benefit of creditor protection. This is one of the items of control that must be relinquished. So the trustee cannot be the grantor. The trustee must also be a Michigan resident or a company or organization that's authorized to act as a trustee in Michigan. Who would people typically pick as their their trustee? So for example, people would pick a financial advisor. Um, There's banks that have, you know, trust or treasury departments where they have people specialized in managing trust assets and, you know, managing the investments and things like that. It doesn't have to be a professional advisor. It just has to be someone who is a Michigan resident, but, you know, obviously. But it's not typically like someone in your family or anything family. like that. No, it's typically somebody who has some type of financial expertise. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that and make sure, you know, people understand that when they're setting these up and that that's, it's not like when you're doing a trust for your family and you have to be like, all right, well, my brother's going to decide, you know, what, <laughs> when the kids get shoes or something like that, you know. You want someone who... It's preferable to have someone with experience and in investments and right. command them properly. The next requirement is the grantor can only retain certain powers and control over the trust that are permitted underneath Michigan law, which I know that we will get into, I think, a little later. Amina's going to go over some of the powers that the grantor can retain. And the last requirement is that, this is interesting, the grantor cannot be more than 30 days behind on child support obligations. Okay, I saw that. and I Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know how that got, how that got in there, but so this, these are the requirements um, when you're first establishing it. Okay. So you can't be more than 30 days behind when you're establishing it, I guess, because they feel like if you have these assets that you're transferring into this domestic asset protection trust, well, you should be able to pay your child support. That does seem fair. That's in a trust. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you tech, this is a creditor that you owe. And, you know, so I guess 
Now, there's a policy reasoning behind that, but we're talking about when you first establish it in order for it to be a bona fide domestic asset protection trust. So with these four requirements, that's all that's needed to establish a Michigan domestic asset protection trust. One thing I will point out is that strict compliance with these requirements is critical. So when you're setting it up, you know, these are just the four things that absolutely have to be done in order for you to receive the benefit of this creditor protection associated with the domestic asset protection trust. And aside from these four requirements, there's a lot of flexibility so you can design a trust to meet your family's needs. In addition, there's one other requirement is that a qualified affidavit must be found. And this is really to ensure that you're not trying to set this up to defraud creditors. So after you establish your trust, you have to sign an affidavit that that you're not setting this trust up with the intention to defraud any of your current creditors. And that once you set the trust up and transfer your assets into it, it's not going to leave you bankrupt. Okay. And so I guess if I were to translate that, that's basically saying you need to set this up in advance for any potential creditors. If it's found that you're really doing this as a result of creditors that are that's currently correct. coming yeah. after you, is that, am I? That's correct. You have to set this up, you know, in advance, or even if you do have creditors right now, they're going to be able to access those assets. So if you have a current creditor that you owe, just because you put these assets in a trust, no, it doesn't. It, the law doesn't work like that. You don't you don't get to shield them from current creditors. So we're talking about future creditors that arise after you've already established this trust, as well as transfer your assets into it, because they don't they don't want to incentivize people to defraud creditors. Right. This isn't a way to dodge the creditors once you're already in that situation. This yeah. is the case of protecting assets for the possibility of you know future creditors that may want to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. assets, right? I think about people that right. may be athletes and other people mm-hmm. that maybe people would specifically target or try and come after them because they know they have assets. Exactly. Yeah. So there must, you know, I guess it all boils down to that these must be established in good faith. Yeah. Okay. And the critical thing to remember is you don't have to and probably shouldn't put all of your assets in this trust because it is irrevocable and you do lose some power and control in certain ways. You can put other assets in a different type of trust or not. So for the listeners, it's very important to think it's not all or nothing with type of trust. And with any legacy plan, it's never like that. It's customized to your needs. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I did, I mean, I think of like an example, even with like passing down money to family with something like this, it does protect not just from creditors, but then from future spouses. Right. And you know, people that maybe could have access to money that you're specifically leaving to your children or someone in your family. So future, I really think of it as like the idea of protecting it from future people that may. It may try to go after your money. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. that's absolutely correct. It's not, it's not just, and I guess as lawyers, you know, our, <laughs> our definition of creditors is much broader than, you know, what the general public thinks. So yes, it could be in a divorce, your future, your future ex-husband or wife could be considered a creditor as a result of divorce, or, you know, your family members may try to make claims on your assets after you pass and would be a potential creditor. So yes, it's not just 
what we think of in the financial creditor sense. It also applies to family members or anybody trying to stake a claim after your assets. Absolutely. Right. And I know, you know, with business owners and a focus on business owners, too, or if you own a building, maybe that you run your business through, you definitely have more liability for creditors or people that may sue you for other things. So a way to protect those assets from that potential down the road. Now, what powers and interests may the grantor of a Michigan trust retain in this case? Okay. Yes. So it sounds like, oh my gosh, it's been like one after the next of what you can't do yeah. and what you tell them what they can do with this. Trust. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like I don't want one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, okay. you definitely want one. So, okay. Of course, a grantor, as we said, for a domestic asset protection trust can't be the trustee and they can't force the trustee to transfer assets back once they've been transferred into the trust. But Michigan actually has quite expansive powers and that are retained for the grantor with these type of trusts. And these include the power to replace trustees. You don't like what that trustee is doing, the grantor, you can switch them out. You can change it. That's not a problem. Okay. Okay. And you can also direct investments. So there might be a trustee in place, but you can direct them on how these investments are going to happen. So that's a huge power to retain. Also, as Jasmine said, with the grantors in this case, they also are the beneficiary, which means you're also the person that can receive income and the benefits of that trust while you're alive. So you're not locking it up and you don't have access to money if you need it. You're able to get money from it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can You have the right to receive income. You I also- think that's a really, I think irrevocable is such an intimidating. Yeah. So I just wanted to break it down so that it, that people understand that this doesn't mean that it's locked up from, from your access. No, I mean, and we'll compare it to some other states, but again, Michigan is extremely expansive on the rights and duties that a grantor retains. Another one is the right to receive principal with certain standards in place. That's again, receiving more benefit from the actual trust while, you know, not just losing that right completely. The power to veto or refuse distributions. So again, as much as a grantor can receive, they can also say, uh-uh, it's leave not it going to leave it in there. It's not going to be sent out. That's huge. Yeah. There's also the right to direct the disposition of remaining assets upon death. So let me explain that a little better is, when the grantor does pass, they're no longer the beneficiary. They're not around anymore. They have the absolute right. You have the absolute right as the grantor to still decide what the heck happens to those assets when you pass away. You retain all control over those assets, essentially. Right. Irrespective of who the trustee is, because that trustee has to follow that direction that you've given. So it's super important. And I want to compare to New Hampshire, for example. In New Hampshire, domestic asset protection trusts, you may not retain the power to direct investments. So Michigan, you can. Virginia, you may not retain the right to refuse distributions. Michigan, you can. So gosh, so compared to other states, it's pretty favorable it's for this. More flexible and favorable for the, the grantors, yes, in Michigan. Yeah, as much as we were talking about all these nitty gritty things, which everybody needs to realize, If you have an exceptional legacy planning attorney, you won't need to worry about those things. They'll make sure they're in place. And then you will just get to receive incredible benefits from this type of trust. And like you said, Melissa, it's not just from your typical creditors, like knocking at your door. It's from 
a family member that you don't want accessing certain After things. After you pass, yeah. After you pass. So mm-hmm. the benefits are tremendous. And I know it seems like they get a little overlooked with all the minutiae. But again, with the right legacy planning attorney, you don't have to worry about that. They know how to draft and craft these perfectly so that you're receiving the benefits while also knowing what the possible, what some people may consider downsides are. And Melissa, I just wanted to, I mean, those are a lot of benefits. Mm, really, the only, the only downside is, okay, you have to have a separate trustee. You can't be the trustee. And but you can um, get rid of them if you want. <laughs> you can change them. Yeah, you don't you like it. Them. Change them. I mean, there's a workaround for that and that they're irrevocable. So, you know, once you transfer the property in there, it's in there. But I mean, those are the only two downsides. You can still access the money. You can still say where your property goes after you pass through this trust. Yeah. So really, I mean, that that irrevocable actually, in a way, gives you even if you look at it in this way, and we tell our clients this gives you more control because it's really protecting those assets that you have said, hey, OK, I'll give you an example. Jasmine wants to create a domestic asset protection trust. She has a lake house. She is never getting rid of that lake house. It is the family lake house. She wants her children, her grandchildren, everybody going to that. That lake house is used as an Airbnb when family members aren't using it. You put it into this type of irrevocable trust. It's staying in there and there's income coming from Airbnb. It's benefiting Jasmine while she's alive. And then she may decide, hey, when I pass, I do want it sold then. Or no, I want it to stay doing Airbnb from this time to this time and the money going to only my grandchildren, skip my kids. I don't care about them. But it's an asset that had no problem going into an irrevocable and her quote, not being able to move it out doesn't make a difference because she's deciding everything that happens with it. And one thing I will say specifically with the house, even if you transfer the house into the domestic asset protection trust, you can still sell it. Yeah. The proceeds just have to be placed back into the trust. So and then just, you can still access those proceeds. And you can still access them through your investments or however you want to keep them in the trust. And so there's there's more flexibility than what people may you know think on the face of hearing this. Like, oh my God, if I put my house in here, I can't do anything. No, no. you can sell it. You have access to it. You just, it's through the trust. Right. But I like this. I mean, I, I, I think about this situation with the lake house. I love using examples because I think that really breaks it down for listeners. But in the case of you get older or incapacitated or something, and maybe your son's wife decides, well, we should really sell it <laughs> so mm. that we can use those funds to pay for X, Y, and Z care of this person. They can't do that. Nope. They don't have any power to make these decisions nope. for you. And I think that happens as people get older, you know, other people in their family or even spouses of family members decide to make decisions for them. And this really protects it so that that I like breaking that down, not to just creditors. Right. Because I know in legal terms what is included in there. But I don't think most people realize, you know, potential creditors or people that may, you know, have want to put their hands on or make decisions for certain assets. Yeah, that's true. And I I love how that example, how you're taking that. I want to take it just a step further. Let's say Jasmine were to become incapacitated, which she never will, because that would make me way too sad. (laughs) Let's just say hypothetically, she were and she has this lake house. She has decided what monies will be used for her and to her benefit and to the people she's chosen. Even when she becomes incapacitated and really cannot make those decisions, she has made those decisions 
by having this type of trust in place. So again, that irrevocable, scary, big, intimidating word, all of a sudden doesn't seem so bad. It seems great. It's working in your That's favor. Yeah. As, yeah. So, I mean, it's like we talked about before, you know, you give up something, but you get something in return as well. That may even be better for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I know you guys touched on this, but I cannot stress this enough. The use of a professional. When you're listening to this, if you're thinking this might be something that would benefit me rather than going to Google and finding (laughs) out about it, right? Or like an online, let me like put this together myself. Definitely sounds like there are certain criteria that you really need to stick to and have a professional who knows how to structure these, put this in place and make sure that it is bona fide as this asset protection. So if people are listening and they want to find out more, how is the best way for them to get a hold of you? So our website is www.theladiesinlawinlaw.com. On our website, you can find our email addresses, our phone numbers, contact info. We're also available on Instagram at the ladies in law is our handle. We have a YouTube channel. Ladies in Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook. Ladies in Law. Go to theladiesinlaw.com. You will find all of our information. And I am going to link everything in the show notes for you too. So if you're driving and listening or you just, you know, want to circle back, everything is there for their contact information. And you do offer free consultation. So if you're just yes. thinking about the possibility of this or if it applies to you, I highly recommend setting that up. Even if you're not currently thinking that you need any kind of a trust set up, I highly recommend you following them on social media because they are just totally awesome. And and I just am rooting you on. I really can't wait to see where you go because I think you're on to something. And I really, I know that you're doing so much good for, for people who need these services and really breaking it down for people so they understand what it is. But yeah, I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you guys so much. Jasmine and Amina, I hope that we get to meet again, maybe a ladies power lunch sometime soon. Yes. Oh, we'll certainly be interested in doing that. <laughs> we some other type to. of event. We love supporting women, other women-owned businesses like Pearl Planning. So I, yeah, we love, great. we love Pearl we really Planning. Appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you. Yes. And just to all the listeners again, your legacy plan is what you need. And just like Melissa said. You can go Google, you try to figure out, we already have gone and done the testing. None of those online platforms. They don't offer this particular specialized trust. They don't really offer any specialized trust because they are so state specific and they have to be worded so perfectly. Otherwise you can forget about it. You're going to be facing those creditors one way or the other and then have wasted time, energy and money. But it is a very unique opportunity with this type of trust and Michigan residents, especially what, four years ago, five years ago? I mean, we have to take advantage of it. And as women, especially, let's protect ourselves. Let's protect our hard-earned assets and protect our families, most of all. So reach out to us. And I definitely thank you so much. We both do, Melissa. And what Pearl Planning is doing as well for women is just phenomenal. Thank you so much, ladies. That means so much coming from you. And thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. you. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.